Well, in this hour, we're taking a good look at Bill 96. That's the new language law that was uh, given royal assent this week in Quebec. It really builds on Bill 101, if you remember that from back in the 70s, uh, which really sort of introduced protection of the French language in Quebec. It has been successful. Listen, let's be honest. It it was uh, controversial at the time, but French has flourished in Quebec or continues to. Uh, Nowadays, apparently about 94% of people who live in Quebec can carry on a conversation in French. But over the years, politics are around language has always been something in Quebec um, that parties can rely on. I mean, every province has its punching bag, whether it be Ottawa, if you're at West or in Quebec, it's often the English language minority. It's just the way it is. They they tend to vote in a block. Um, they tend to vote for the same party uh, over and over again, the liberals, federally and provincially. And for parties like the Coalition Avenir Québec, who are now in power, they don't have any seats in English-speaking neighborhoods. So it's easy for them to ignore minority language rights. This goes quite a bit farther than that, though. Um, And in fact, it does, you know, invoke the nonwithstanding clause proactively in advance um, of so to shield it from charter challenges, in other words, because they know it violates the charter. So they're going to invoke the nonwithstanding clause proactively. to make sure that uh, that it gets at a, a get out of jail free card, really, uh, so, and it you know overall what it targets is education, business, healthcare, a whole bunch of stuff. Now the prime minister, he's from Montreal. Uh, he speaks both languages, obviously. Uh, he says he's concerned about the effect of the bill on Quebec's English-speaking minority. Well, this week, former NDP leader and former provincial Liberal cabinet minister Tom Mulcair wrote that quote: "Unfortunately for all of us, Trudeau is so terrified of Legault that Ottawa is left play acting." Don't expect to see the same thing we saw after previous attacks on minority language rights, a strong federal government doing its job. Trudeau and Lametti, that's David Lametti, the justice minister, are hiding under their desks, close quote, says Tom Mulcair. Fair comment? Who knows? I don't think so. But fair comment, you know, obviously Tom Mulcair knows Quebec politics. Um, Well, with more on the impact of Bill 96 and whether Ottawa should be doing more to fight it. Joining me now is Anthony Housefather. He's the Liberal Member member of Parliament for Mount Royal on the island of Montreal. He's also a lawyer. Uh, Thanks so much for being here tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, It's a pleasure, Ben. So for listeners who might not understand fully what the impact of Bill 96 is on Quebec's linguistic minorities, uh, English speakers included, uh, what exactly does this lay out uh, and what kind of services does it retract? So that's a great question. In a sense, this bill misdirects its fire. French is always going to be vulnerable in North America because it's a minority language and it's vulnerable from international forces. It's not the English speaking community in Quebec that is a threat to French. We're a very bilingual community. Almost 90% of our youth are bilingual. And all that they're seeking to do in Bill 96 really is take away services from English-speaking Quebecers. So let's start by saying that we've always been able to get our birth certificates, our marriage certificates, our death certificates in English. We can't anymore. As an attorney, I've always communicated with the Quebec Bar Association in English. After this law is passed, I won't be able to communicate with them in English anymore. They're going to have to only communicate with me in French. Um, If I want to sell my house to you, Ben, um, I would normally do the contract in English. And we would register it with the land office in English. Now the land office won't accept any English contracts to register. We will have to do it in French or translate it. When we want to go to court, if we own a company uh, or we're a nonprofit, they're telling us that now you have to file in French, or if you file in English, you have to provide a certified copy in French. 
Um, they're telling businesses of 25 employees that they need to franchise before it's only been 50 employees. Um, and worse, the worst part of this bill, um, and there's a lot that's horrible, is that they're saying that in order to get services in English from the government of Quebec or municipalities, you need to be a historic English speaker. And that means to them, you need to have access to English schools in Quebec. The only people that have constitutional access to English schools are those who were educated in English by majority of their education in English in Canada, or their parents were educated with the majority of their education in English in Canada. So if I marry someone from Australia or the United States, um, and I want to bring them here, um, they're not getting served in English by the government after six months, because the, the immigrants can get served in English for six months, then it's got to be French. Um, so it, it, theoretically, you could think about it, I, and I'll use the example, one of my friends, Ariel, married a girl from Australia. Um, the, he has access to English schools, and he's perfectly bilingual. Their kids have access to English schools, and the kids are bilingual. But of course, she grew up in Australia. She doesn't speak French. And she's the only one in their family that now wouldn't be entitled to government services in English. But how does that work? If, I mean, a, a historical Anglophone. So say you call the city of Montreal, and this is an example that's been brought up, and say, I've lost my recycling box, and I don't speak French. I mean, do you have to carry around a card, or do you have to wear a sign that says, I'm a historical Anglo? I don't understand how that works. Well, we are all wondering. We're waiting to see how the Quebec government is going to do this, because it's supposed to be done through regulation. Nobody has clearly explained how this crazy system is supposed to work. If I call somebody on the phone, how am I going to prove that I have the entitlement to services in English? Um, it, 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 it's a bizarre thing. And, and really, nobody has explained how that's going to happen yet. But it's certainly going to cause a lot of delays in terms of getting your services. And probably a lot of people, which is what they want, are just going to say, damn it, I'm just going to ask in French because I'm going to have to spend 20 minutes trying to prove that I have the right to services in English. One of the things that uh, people outside of Quebec are probably familiar with is the so-called language police, the Office de la Langue Française. Uh, this expands their powers as well in a way that, that doesn't quite jibe with living in a democracy, does it, in some ways? Well, so these powers have existed. Their power to enter into businesses and search phones to see if they're doing things properly in French and search computers, that's existed. The issue is that it's always been subject to the constraints of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms um, and the right to be free of unreasonable search and seizure. Now, the Quebec government, which is another horrible part of the bill, um, decided that the Quebec Charter of Rights would no longer apply to the Charter of the French Language. So now the Charter of the French Language supersedes the Quebec Charter of Rights. And on the federal charter, where they can't just disregard it, they use the notwithstanding clause to say that none of the sections that are subject to the notwithstanding clause apply. And they did it preemptively in an omnibus way, which in my view is unconstitutional. So theoretically for this period of time until the courts rule on this, um, the Office de la Langue Française will not be subject to the rules on arbitrariness and they can do whatever they want in terms of searching, searching and seizing. Is any of this based in, I mean, I, I heard uh, the premier this week talk about uh, sort of the Louisianification of Quebec, where French would disappear in 50 years. I gather only about 3% of people in Louisiana still speak French. I mean, even looking at num the number of, of immigrants in Quebec who speak French at home, it's very high for those who arrived in recent times, maybe not so much for those who arrived generations ago. Uh, yeah. But it seems like even the basis here isn't really in fact, it's in sentiment. 
A hundred percent. And 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 I think that there's a real uh, confusion here, right? The premier is now starting to ask about what language people speak at home or what their mother tongue is. That was never supposed to be part of the equation of how Quebec would be more French, right? French is supposed to be for them the the, the common language, um, which you know, or the official language, which I would say it's the official language. Um, and in public settings, you're supposed to have the courtesy of speaking French, making sure people are served in French, making sure you're speaking French to French speakers. Um, and that's understandable. Um, and so the goal then should be that everyone is able to carry on a conversation and everyone is able to write and everyone is able to communicate in French. If you're going to start asking what language people are speaking in their house and what their mother tongue is, then you're veering very, very far away from the question of whether this is a French-speaking province to what language your original language is or what language you're speaking in private life. And that, that's very problematic. Every statistic that I see shows that the number of Quebecers who can communicate in French continues to rise. It's now over 95%. The number of Quebecers who use French at work or in public spaces continues to rise. And the number of immigrants that acculturate into the French community, meaning that they use French as their predominant official language, continues to rise. So none of these things really are true. There is no danger of Quebec becoming Louisiana because Bill 96 is not adopted. And this, of course, uh, just so listeners understand, goes far beyond Montreal's English-speaking community. This affects Indigenous communities. This affects uh, uh, immigrant communities where they speak a third language, a different language. Uh, This is quite extensive when it comes to whose rights it tramples on. Well, the the rights, again, my rights and your rights, Ben, because I know you're also an English-speaking Montrealer, we would have less of our rights being trampled on because theoretically we're still entitled to all of our government services in English. It's the Filipino community that comes here speaking perfect English, but not speaking French and is trying to learn French while they're working two jobs. Um, and and, and, and it, it, it's that kind of a, a person who's most affected. It's immigrant communities who are English speaking immigrant communities, whether it's people whose mother tongue is English or their first official language is English, they're the ones that are more deeply affected than Quebec's historical English-speaking community. But one would assume that 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 there will be an erosion of services just because uh, if this is in place. When when we get to say it's already, I remember having to translate hydro bills for my grandmother when I was nine. You know, one can feel that this would be have a would be a slippery slope when it came to services in English. One would think. Well, again, Hydro Quebec is supposed to provide their services in English or French, and as far as I know, still they do. If you ask them properly and you get the right bill. I remember your grandmother, a great curler, by the way. Um, She was the oldest curler at the Montreal West Curling Club when she retired. (laughs) Um, You know, like like this is is something that where the erosion is going to happen is number one, because it's going to be harder to get the services because you're going to have to prove you're entitled to them. Number two, the law is making it much more difficult for employers to require English as a job skill. You're, you're, before, as long as you reasonably assumed your employee would need to communicate in English, you could say that the position required English. Now you're supposed to do all of this stuff, like look through your whole department and whether there's somebody there that can serve people in English before you're allowed to require English on the job. And, and of course, this is from a government where the English speaking community makes up 12% of the population and makes up less than 1% of the Quebec civil service. So the ability for us to work in English, and, and by the way, the law also says that in order to have exemplary practices, civil servants are supposed to speak to each other in French, even if both of them are English. So it's going to not really attract more English-speaking people into the civil service. 
we've established that uh, it's certainly troublesome constitutionally, or at least according to the Charter, we've established that the notwithstanding clause is going to be used, that it's not really that effective in promoting the French language to begin with. When we come back, we'll talk about what can be done about it. That's next. I'm speaking with Anthony Housefather. He's the Liberal Member of Parliament for Mount Royal on the island of Montreal and a lawyer. We're talking about uh, Royal Assent this week for Bill 96, Quebec's sweeping new language law that really beefs up uh, Bill 101 from, from back in the 70s, if you remember back that far. Uh, really what it does in effect, though, is is limit uh, the use of, of other languages or English specifically, not necessarily to promote French, but uh, simply to perhaps silence uh, other languages uh, in the hopes of promoting French, one would assume. Uh, this can be challenged. I mean, it seems to be almost laughably an affront to the Charter. Uh, what can be done to fight it? And I know, you know, Tom Mulcair this week wrote a pretty pointed op-ed saying that, uh, you know that uh, the prime minister and the justice minister are hiding under their desks. Is that uh, is that fair comment? And what can be done? No, I mean it, it, it's not fair at this point because the prime minister and the justice minister have come out and spoken out against Bill ninety six this week, and the justice minister has made clear we're going to intervene in the Bill twenty one case, which is the other uh, very offensive Quebec law that bans people from wearing religious symbols and working in public sector, a certain public sector jobs, including teaching in public schools, um, and. And basically, that also uses the notwithstanding clause preemptively and in an omnibus way. And that case, because it has a plaintiff, because it has factual information that was gathered to show the harm that's been done to individual people on the ground, is probably the best way to get this issue before the Supreme Court. Because if we were to refer a case to the Supreme Court, we would ask the court questions, but we would have no underlying facts and nobody that was harmed that the court would have to look at and say, I am looking at that person, they were harmed, and I'm still going to tell them that we're not going to do anything. So the Bill 21 case is already before the Quebec Court of Appeals. It deals with the same issue as Bill 96. It's going to get to the Supreme Court in the next year, and the federal government is now going to intervene. And and I think that the federal government has made clear that we're going to be ready to intervene uh, if there's other significant issues that arise in the courts, and there's going to be many cases on Bill 96. For example, Bill Section 133 of the Constitution Act says that the English and French language are equal before the courts of Quebec and the legislature of Quebec. This bill says that the French interpretation of laws, it it comes before the English one. Um, So if you have if you if you're not able to resolve a, a difference, you have to look to the French version. That's clearly unconstitutional. The fact that the, the, the Quebec ministers are now going to ter- determine what judges need to be bilingual, which will slow down access to English court services, is unconstitutional. The fact that you need to have a certified French translation when you plead in court is unconstitutional. So I'm sure we will be involved very heavily in protecting the rights of English-speaking Quebecers under Section 133. And then there's a number of other areas where there's going to be challenges. And I'd finish this by saying that Tom Mulcair, when he was leader of the NDP, Um, in Parliament, and I served with him for four years, I never saw him fighting for English-speaking rights in Quebec when he was the leader of the New Democratic Party. Um, So so I've been fighting for English-speaking rights my entire career. I've done so throughout the time that I've been an MP, and I don't like... I don't feel it's fair when people are saying that English speaking MPs in Quebec from the Liberal Party are not saying or doing anything. I've been speaking against out against Bill 96 from the beginning. Um, and the Justice Minister, David Lametti, uh, has taken clear positions on Bill 96 as well. 
But Anthony, we understand the politics here. I mean, Francois Legault, the Premier of Quebec, is certainly playing politics with this. He has no MLAs or, or he has no members of the Legislative Assembly or, or uh, on the uh, MNAs, I should say, on the island of Montreal. Uh, you know, Tom Mulcair, I'm sure at the time as NDP leader, was worried about votes in Quebec where the NDP were hoping to grow. The Liberal Party, of course, always looks at Quebec outside of Montreal for gains. I mean, there is a lot of politics here uh, when it comes. There is a political map here that people are well aware of. And uh, a lot of the rest of the province of Quebec isn't so worried about minority language rights. How much does that play into it here? How hard a struggle is it as an English MP from Montreal to make sure people aren't listening to that calculation? Very hard. I, I, I mean, I'm lucky that I am in the one party where I feel that there really is um, a focus on minority language rights. And I have allies um, in our caucus, um, you know, I, in order for us to get to where we were this week. Um, I've been positioning this law. I've been explaining this law to our caucus for the last year um, and, and, and saying it, it's clear we're going to need to intercede. We're going to need to take a stand. Um, uh, there's a very big reticence to do that when it was still a bill before it became a law, because there's always the hope that the legislature, the uh, committee looking at the law will amend it. Um, but, you know, I, I felt very strongly that we would get to a point where we needed to do this. Um, and I think that you know, a lot of times they say that the English speaking minority in Quebec is the most unpopular minority in the country uh, for politicians, because it's not an obvious um, community that people look at and say, I feel sympathy for them. Um, you know, but but in, 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 the, and in the context of Quebec, we're 12 percent of the population. We make up a significant percentage of people on safe island of Montreal seats that liberals have won for generations. Um, and people look at the seats outside of Montreal, like you said, and they and they, and they don't want to lose those seats. So they don't want to sometimes be as vigorous as they could be in defending the rights of the minority, um, especially when it's English speaking Quebecers. But in, I think in this case, um, the Liberal Party has actually, you know, lived up to its principles and come out against Bill 21 and come out against Bill 96. And we know that in some cases, perhaps that may cost us some votes. But but those are the principles of the party. Uh, how long will this challenge take uh, of, of Bill 21, the other, the uh, the secularism bill? Because if this is where we're going in terms of trying to fight this in the courts, or if this is where you're going to fight this in the courts, uh, how long might that take? And what happens in the interim? So, uh, so Bill 21, for example, there was an, uh, an injunction uh, that, 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 that was requested to stop Bill 21 from taking effect, and it was not granted. Um, so Bill 21, it has been in effect in Quebec. While it's going through the court system, it's now before the Quebec Court of Appeals. Um, and in my belief, it will be at the Supreme Court probably within the next year. Um, so you'll have a decision probably in the next two years on, on Bill 21. On Bill 96, th- there's already been a case that's fi- been filed by the English Montreal School Board. I know there's many other cases that are being lined up to be filed. And in all of these cases as well, they're going to seek injunctions. They're going to seek uh, interlocutory relief to prevent p- segments or parts of the bill from going into effect. And we'll have to see how the court rules at the, uh, you know, at the first instance to see if there's a, a way that the bill won't be applied until there's a final judgment. Anthony Housefather, thank you so much for, uh, for your insight on this. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Ben. Have a great weekend.